following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. In the heart of East Utica lies Joey's at 307. That's 307 Mohawk Street. It's where the eclectic old school meets the new school cuisine. Dine in and enjoy some amazing seafood dishes, classic Utica Italian dishes, lunch specials, a revolving dinner menu, and even offering catering. Call them at 315-864-3527. Joey's at 307. You're going to love it. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not those of Disruption Network Productions Incorporated or any of its officials or sponsors. The following program contains explicit content. Listener's discretion is advised. In this episode, we take a look at the FBI files that allege Nappy's growing role and widening reach in the mob. How they controlled bookmakers, gambling rings, protected businesses, and stayed off the radar until a run-in with a local boss and how it came to a head. We begin this story by Danny describing his moving up in the ranks in the golden age of organized crime. Things are getting done. You do, you, you do saves or whatever you do, and that gets on the street, one way or another. The guys, the main guys, they hear about that. They take an interest in you. They watch you. Now you're an earner. You're making money with that fucking shit. They call you in. They give you tips, good tips. They're just safe in that fucking Donato's place over here. Go in and get it. It's about 50000 You go get it. Naturally, I give up a 10% to you just for giving me the tip. And they watch you. Now you get pinched, like me. I did four years. I kept my mouth shut. They watched me. And you move up, move up, move up. Then they see a different thing in you. You know this guy that owns this joint on the corner of Mohawk and uh, James Street? He owes money. He hasn't paid. Go in there and give him a fucking beating. That's how it starts. You go in, but you got to give him a beating. Break your shoulder or whatever the fuck you do. You do it. <laughs> If you got it in you, if you have that in you, and uh, you gotta have, you gotta like the life, you gotta like what you're doing, and they see that, and then all of a sudden you're proposed, you get straightened out, and then they, it goes from there. You know, wherever you go, or you go to Miami, if you're straightened out, doors are open. They send you go see Z. <laughs> you might be another made guy. You know, it just, it just, it just goes. Then, then you get that fucking feeling. Hold on, you think you're fucking Superman? Ain't nobody gonna fuck with me, bro. No fucking body. Now, I want to tell you things about the, how you can walk into things. We'll just say uh, you're doing good, we'll say. You're a hustler, you're whatever you do to make money. You made a lot of money. And you buy a townhouse in Boca Raton. You live in a townhouse, nice, nice. You got a nice car. Boom, you get busted. Now, when you get busted, especially in Florida, there's fucking lawyers down there hit you over the head. You got to pay the lawyer. You got to pay the bondman. So that nice townhouse you bought, say you paid hundred, two hundred thousand dollars for it. I can walk in there for fifty thousand, maybe thirty-five thousand. You need the money. You take it, and that's what happens with this lunch and that. I walked in there for nothing. Who's going to take it? Nobody was taking it. A lot, lot, there was a lot of uh, even till today. It's, it's it's it happens. People get in trouble. They need money. Got to sell your car, sell your place. What are you going to do? You don't want to go to jail. You can come up with the money for the lawyer. A lot of that shit happens. Donato Nappy's criminal history reflects arrests of armed robbery, burglary, murder, and interstate transportation of stolen property. Nappy at this time is considered to be one of the most violent, hardcore hoodlums in central New York. Nappy also runs a blackjack game in the rear room of the Victory Luncheonette, located at 965 Bleecker Street, Utica, New York. And I'll tell you the story how I got that for walked into that place for nothing. This was a real luncheonette. And they had a back room in there. Now, the people that had it 
were two women. They were both bookmakers. Word came down that they were going to get indicted for being a bookmaker. They just took off. They left the fucking joint. They just took off. Cigarette, mach- cigarette machine was there with cigarettes and all that shit. So a friend of mine says, Danny, why don't you take it over? I said, I ain't going to fucking open up. A- I don't want to do a restaurant, a uh, luncheonette. Yeah, but the back room. I said, yeah, the back room. I could do a blackjack game back there. You know, and have just coffee in the front, you know, at night. And that's what I did. I never got busted for that one either. I walked away just in time, but I never got busted for that. Nobody ever knew what happened to these two ladies either. Nobody ever knew what happened to them. They got so fucking scared. Wherever they fucking went, they went to a good place where they, they didn't get caught. Blackjack games, loan sharking, uh, sometimes crap games would be going on. It would, that was amongst ourselves. There was people that came in. They come in from when I was a little boy until I was a grown man. From the time my father used to play pinochles and joints, he used to take me when I was a kid. The same guys was coming into my blackjacks years later. Women coming into my, try to get into my joints saying, my husband's in there. I know he's playing, uh, I know he's playing blackjack. He just got paid. I don't want him to blow the paycheck. I had things like that happen. I had women call the police on me because their husbands were in there and they want to try to close a blackjack game going on there. And it was, any, any problems was amongst ourselves anyway to keep the, go, the game going. If a guy asked me to, for a loan, 500 whatever he needed to get in the cat, 200 300000 whatever, I'd give him the money. No big. You know what that is, Juice. I would tell him, look, when are you going to give me the money back? So I'd give it back there. Give me a week. Okay. Don't let me come looking for you. You told me a week. You want longer? Because if you tell me something, that's what it's going to be. I'm going to bank on it. So that's why I was around the game, to keep the game going, because I know what he's going to do with the money. He's going back into the game. So this particular day, a guy's in the game. He says, look, he says, I got to go up. He says, "Uh, I got to go to the bank and get some money. Can I use the car? I says, okay, go ahead. I figure he's going to come back and go back into the game. He goes to this haberdashery, unbeknown to him, the guy that manager is a dear friend of mine. Goes in there, the guy sees the car, he knows it's my car. He writes him a check. It was a bad check, this guy. So now the guy says, hey, that ain't your car. This ain't your, what are you doing? Come here, try to write me a bad check to get away. So the guy takes off, he leaves a fucking car there and everything. So he calls me up, come and get your car, this guy, that guy. All right, so now I'm going looking for this guy. I can't find him. He's not at his mother's house. He's the, who the fuck knows. So I had a guy driving me about a week later. I see him on Mohawk Street. The guy that drives me, I says, pull over. I spot him. I put him in the car. Just to make him feel comfortable, I put him in the back seat. And I told him what I did, what he did. I says, first of all, you owe me 500 And second of all, you went to somebody that I know dearly. You, ran, you tried to write a bad check, and you, you ran out of the joint. Left my car there. So I could think this guy knew me. If it was a bad check and he didn't know me, he's got my car and I would have had to take the, the beef. As we're going, I says, did you do that? No, I didn't do that. He wouldn't admit it. I says, just tell me when you did it. You did it? No, I didn't do it, but I got the 500 for you. I said, how come you're lying? You keep on lying to me. Anyway, he got me so fucking mad, I jumped over the seat into the back and was giving him the beating. The guy's a legitimate guy that happened to be driving around. We just ran into the guy I'm looking for. I tell him, pull over, pull over. He pulls over, and I dragged this fucking guy out of the car. I had the front wheel. I had his head on the fucking front wheel, and I tell this guy, my friend, run him over. 
I'll never forget. He was at the. He was so fucking scared. He had his hands on the steering wheel and he was just shaking his head back and forth. Yeah, and I get involved with this shit. The guy that I want to run his fucking head over is a fraud, a fake. He's still alive. I'm hoping to listen to this. What type of services did you provide on the streets? There's a lot of people that have businesses, and there's a lot of other people that go into that business and try to shake them down. So the person that owns that business comes to a guy like me, and they say, do you help him out? So-and-so came in here, he wants so much a week out of this business. Can you help him out? You say, okay. So you back the guy off. Now this guy likes you because you back this guy off. He starts taking care of you because you back the other guy off. The other guy was crude. You're a little more of a gentleman. He likes you better than the other guy. Now, there was times when people were shaken. Uh, there was a lot of bookmakers in Utica, in the area. Right? And most of the bookmakers, on the record, they're not tough guys. They take bets. They do this. They're supposed to be in the trade. They're supposed to be honorable guys. Why I said the, most of them are not tough guys. There are some and some that aren't. Well, we'll say Joe Blow. He puts a bet in with a bookmaker. He loses. He owes the bookmaker 10000 The bookmaker can't collect from him. So he comes to a guy like me. So it's so all it be 10000 I can't collect it. He says, would you collect it for me? In, in many cases, this is how I did it. I got to get half. If he owes you 10000 I get the 10000 you get five, I get half. Why? Half is better than nothing. If it, was, if it ain't for me, you're not going to get a dime. So they'd have to settle for half. And I go see the guy on the street. Naturally, you got a reputation. You owe Jimmy over there, you owe him 10000 Jimmy's my partner, you got to pay. And most of the times you get it. Are you going to get involved with a guy that went to trial for a murder and got acquitted, a gangland-style murder? What I'm trying to say is there's always doubt whether I did it, the murder, or I didn't do it. There's always that doubt, even though I got acquitted and I didn't do it. So it was pretty easy for me to go see Joe Blow and get the 10000 because he didn't want no part of me. The wise guys had the numbers. And the one that had a number was a good friend of mine. And most of the numbers were in the black part of Utica. He had a, and he was a black guy. He was trusted, and he ran the numbers and... Whatever he did, he paid, didn't pay, and they worked with him. I get a call from somebody, come on down to my house. I come down to the house, so-and-so took off. We can't find him. He owes us money and the numbers. Go see if you can find him. I get a beat on his girlfriend, who his girlfriend is. I said, well, that's the first stop. I went to the girl's house, knocked on the door. Where's your boyfriend? He ain't here. Can I come in here? You better look in the fucking room. You're lying to me. You know where your boyfriend is. She didn't know. She told me he was in Syracuse. Never forget, I went and got him to Syracuse and brought him back down to Utica. What happened after that, I don't know. In the 1970s, Nappy used Utica, New York as his own personal playground. He shook down bookmakers, protected business owners, and has impersonated himself as an Oneida County health inspector. Someone that worked in the Oneida County Health Department gave me a card, the Oneida County Health Department. Eh, a couple of cards I think we had, I don't know. So we were in the Sheridan. There's a Radisson now. It was just built. And we used to go in there a lot and drink. 
So the guy who was with, we were both drinking. I used to like to fuck around. I said, you want to come in with me? I said, let's go in the kitchen. And this is a nice kitchen, too, a big kitchen. I said, we're going to pose as uh, Oneida County Health Inspectors. He said, you what? Just come on with me. I'll do the talking. So we go in the fucking kitchen. There's a guy with the chef's hat all dressed in white. And uh, I pulled the card out, and I said, Oneida County Health Inspector. We're going to inspect your kitchen. My friend was half lit. I says, you see anything on this line? You know where to keep the cool stuff, like the tuna fish stuff and hamburger? I said, make a sandwich, see if that stuff is there. And we started doing this here. Now, I said, something clicks in my fucking mind. I says, uh, let me check your coolers, freezers, see if the temperature's on right. I'm going to go back in the fucking, where the freezers are, where all the fucking steaks are. So I said, okay, I checked the steaks. I said, all right, let me see. These guys were like at attention. You were so fucking... Worry about something's going to be done. I said, you guys go ahead, do it. Go ahead and do your business with it. I told my friend, see if you can find a big garbage bag, a big black bag. Well, we cleaned out the freezer. We, I mean, we cleaned out the, the cooler of all the fucking steaks and every fucking day we could get. They were so happy that we left, they didn't even really realize that we left with a garbage bag. I said, how the fuck are we going to get this? is a hotel. How are we going to get it out of the lobby? Don't worry, I got it, I got it. It went in Dan 5-5. We had steaks for fucking months. It's time to take a break. It's nothing personal. It's strictly business. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Northeastern Roofing and Construction. Based out of Utica, New York, they specialize in residential and commercial roofing. Call them at 315-534-6118 for an estimate or visit their website at northeasternroofs.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Coming soon, Crash's Metal Recovery, located at 2435 State Route 5, Utica, New York. Crash is back and always providing cash for your scrap. Performing services on various forms of scrap metal that are ferrous and non-ferrous. Crash's Metal Recovery, coming soon. Locally owned and operated by the Givanazzo family. Now back to Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. Danny Nappy's rise up in the game has always been a tumultuous road. He's faced many roadblocks and obstacles. One of these obstacles are dealing with people who can't keep their mouth shut. I get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's a friend of mine. He owned a pizzeria, pizza place. He says, could you come up and see me? The place was open all night. I says, all right. I said, better be recording. What the fuck? It's 2.30 in the fucking morning. So I go up there. He says, I want you to know, he says, that uh, so-and-so was here. Who is a legitimate guy? He was a, bo- he was a businessman. But he was having trouble with his girlfriend. And my friend who owned the pizza place, he says, he went to the phone. He says, there's nobody in the place, and he's talking to some broad. I think it was his girlfriend. He says, yeah. And all of a sudden, I heard him say, he was arguing with her back and forth. If you don't do the right thing, I'm going to get Danny Nappy after you. He's going to fucking kill you. Holy cow, he said that about me? The guy barely knows me. And if the phone is tapped, this is how guys like me get, get heat on him. You know, the FBI could have that phone time, whoever. And you get heat on you. So I took the fucking heat. He uh, he says, Danny Nappy and so-and-so, they go, I'll, I'll get them and they're going to come after you. That's all right. Thanks for calling me. I left, think that over. Get a hold of my friend the next day. Told him what to happen. This is how we get heat. We're not even involved in anything, and some guy mentions our names. That's how guys like us get heat. I said, all right, what are we going to do? I said, I know he goes for after hours at a certain joint. What we're going to do is we're going to give him a joint, call him in the bathroom, tell him what he did, and when he admits it, which he is going to fucking admit it, 
But just for using our name, go get down $5,000. So we go do that. We went in the fucking bathroom. It was like good guy, uh, good cop and a bad cop routine. Right? I was always a good guy. We asked him, no, I didn't say that. He said, you didn't say that. No, I, you didn't. I said, look, don't lie. Don't lie no more. You did say that. So things like this was funny to me. Maybe I have a warped uh, six sense of humor or whatever. I go in the commode part of the bathroom to take a leak. In the meantime, my partner's there, and all of a sudden I hear, bang. He slapped the guy hard, really hard. When he slapped him, this is how I think I got a sixth sense of humor. I started fucking laughing. It was a lucky thing I was in the stall, so the guy couldn't see me. It was fucking funny. It would my mouth and everything. So anyway, we go out. The guy admits it. Say, you know what? It was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He give you a fucking pass on it. Go get 5000 come back here. Cash. The guy did. My friend and I whacked it up, and that's history. In the Falcone crime regime, Sal's retirement in 1946 made Joe the de facto boss of the Utica crew. He held this position from the late 1940s to his own retirement in the 1980s when he slowly faded from the Utica mob scene. I knew one of the brothers, Joe Falcone. I wasn't very fond of him, tell you the truth. He had a brother named Salvatore. Salvatore retired to Florida. He left his brother in charge. And far as I'm concerned, see, I got the fucking balls to say this. And a lot of people would, that I know thought of him the same way, but they, they wouldn't be quiet. His brother put him in place here while he went. He retired to Florida. His brother opened a business down in Florida. His brother, uh, back way back in the 30s, was pretty big around here, you know. A lot of a lot of action, bootlegging and all that shit. So I always thought this here. If you were to come become a leader or you were to become a boss around some place, I figured that you had to earn that title, you know, work your ways up in the street. Neither one of them did a day in the prison. But that's not saying for his brother. His brother was his brother. I felt that he was just put there to watch things over, but they made him bigger than he was. Although they did, they both got caught in Appalachia. You know, they must have been hooked up to be at that meeting. The Appalachian meeting was an event hosted by then mob boss of the Buffalino crime family, Joe the Barber, Barbera, where an estimated 100 top mafioso members from the United States, Italy, and Cuba attended. Local law enforcement became suspicious when numerous expensive cars with license plates from around the country arrived in a self-described sleepy hamlet. After setting up roadblocks, police raided the meeting, causing many to flee. More than half the underworld bosses were detained following the raid. But there are certain individuals that didn't do their work who deserved to become a made man or a boss. And my big reason why I didn't like this guy, somebody robbed his house. I got accused of it. I was one of the guys who got accused of robbing his house. He was persistent. I met him a few times. Tell me if you didn't do it, who did it. I'll help you out. I'll do this. And I, I didn't know who the fuck did it. I didn't do it. When he found out his, they robbed his safe, when he found out his safe was robbed, he went to another guy that I knew very well. Come to my house, he told the guy. The guy saw the safe. It was all peeled up, he said. So now the guy calls me down, and he told me, he says, you know, somebody robbed the old man's house. He says, I made the mistake of telling him this looks like a professional job because I was doing that stuff back in the day. So I guess he put the word out, who does safes around this thing? Me and another guy were supposed to be accused of doing his house. I know I didn't do it. Again, I'd meet him here, I'd meet him there, I'd meet him there, I'd meet him here. The last time I met him, 
He lived across the street from my brother. I'm at my brother's house because I just bought my son a, a little bicycle. He was a little boy and a little plastic bicycle. And my son's riding up and down the, the sidewalk. This guy sees me, comes across the street. He starts again on his son about his, his house being robbed. I says to him, you know, we've been through this more and more. So-and-so knows, told you that I'm not the one that did it. At the end of that conversation, he says, who's this little boy? Is that your son? So I took a licky one and hurt my son. I ran down my friend's house again, who was connected. I says, here's what I'm going to do. I said, that fucking guy, the old man, he keeps on thinking that I robbed his fucking house. And you know I didn't rob his house. I said, what I'm going to do is go and get a fucking shotgun, knock on his door. When he opens it, I'm going to blow him the fuck away. That's it. He's going to threaten my kids now? Don't do it, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. And I didn't do it because of him. I didn't do it. But uh, when it comes to threatening somebody's kid, to me, it's no good. Eventually it was squashed. It was squashed amongst us, we'll say. It went out of town to be squashed. He had all, when this, his house got robbed, he had all these, I call them brooms, guys that you call, hey, come and sweep my driveway, come and shovel the snow, everybody, go bring me some pastry over the house. All these guys, and those guys thought that they were some fucking buddy. Those are the ones that went on the street and asked this, asked that. How my fucking name got involved with that house, I didn't, I've never been in the house. Who the fuck knew he had a safe in the house? I didn't know that. Here's how these fucking rats, stupid and motherfuckers are. If you're an informant on one case, you're in trouble. So now you tell the feds about anything. When the feds take you in, I assume they, they debrief you. They want to know everything, not just about this case. They want to know everything that you know. Years later, they wrote a seven-day article about the, the mob in New York, in Utica, New York. And uh, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't about the mob in Utica, New York. This guy was testifying against a big trial in, in, in Utica. And during his uh, encounters with the FBI, he was telling them what he knew. And he put my name down that I had robbed, uh, he heard that I had did uh, the old man's house. And there was $54,000 taken from that safe when it was done. I didn't even know that guy. How the fuck would he know that the $54,000 and there was a safe done? What he did, he must have heard things on the street, made up how much money there was, and said that I was one that robbed the safe, and so-and-so called me in, another guy called me in, and they got the money back and paid him back. That's all bullshit. I never did anything like that. So I disliked him from that, from there on. Till he fucking died, he thought I did his house. I'm in the fucking hospital one time visiting somebody. He happened to be a patient in the hospital. I walked by his fucking room. I don't know he's in the hospital. And he did it again in the fucking hospital. Fucking guy. On the next episode of Unbreakable, the heat is on. Donato, Danny Nappy is being surveillance by the FBI. We used to get followed constantly. Wherever we went, we went. Dealing with a crooked cop. They got to ask you a favor. I said, what kind of a favor I can do you? He said, but can, I, can I borrow $500? And indicted on a murder charge. And it was a gangland slaying. All while conducting business on the streets. We'd like to thank our sponsors in support of the show. Crash's Metal Recovery. Joey's at 307. And Northeastern Roofing and Construction. From Disruption Network. This is Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. Executive producers, Anthony Z. Donaldson and Danny Nappy Jr. Legal advice, 
Christopher Jude Pelly and David Longaretta. Consultants, Todd Williams, Gabriel Altamuro, J. Anthony Stucci and JGK Associates. Artwork, Jerry Bernardo. Social Media Marketing, Christy Schleider. And I'm your narrator, Anthony Colenzo. All rights reserved, Disruption Network 2021.